Gopher fans, it's Phil Mackey here with a question for you business owners specifically. Have you ever had an insurance claim that left you feeling like you got sacked in the end zone? When something bad happens to the company you built with your blood, sweat, and tears, you don't want to be left sitting on the sidelines waiting to get back in the game. You want your insurance team to be ready with a game plan that helps you recover smoothly so you can get on with running your business. Your local federated representative is ready to create a custom playbook of specialty insurance products and risk management strategies for you. Federated Insurance. It's our business to protect yours. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. Yes, that's right. The snare draw means it's this time the weekend edition of the Score North Gophers show. Joining me this weekend is going to be Daniel House via the phone lines. Daniel, you can find him and his musings at uh, on Twitter, I should say, at Daniel House NFL. Daniel, big game for the Gophers, big road victory as they take on the Buckeyes in Ohio State and they come away with a win, 62-59. to And I think one of their best performances of the season, even though it was shaky to start, the way that they came on strong at the end of the at the end of the game to take that one on the road, that was one of their best games of the year. I loved how they responded and it was a tale of two different halves because you look at the adjustments that they made after not really getting many quality touches to a Turu. They're finally able to find some ways to get him off the dribble, which I think is where he is kind of quietly deadly. I think people are of the opinion that he has to be on the post touching the basketball, but he's created this game where he's able to take guys off the dribble when he's isolated. And I just thought that uh, Carr was just sensational. Mm -hmm. Just look at how efficient he played in that game. All of the key metrics, he's checking the boxes. And when he's playing at that level, it changes the entire team because that ball movement gets crisp. They start getting some touches to a Turu and get that inside-out action. And it Carr, the way that he can take a guy off the dribble and then go right through contact to finish at the rim, I, I can't get over how impressive that is. That second-to-last bucket, um, the one that tied it, I believe. Yes, it was the one that tied it with uh, 50 seconds or so left on the on the game clock in the second half. Uh, that was that was an incredible shot. It was it was uh, if you recall the previous shot, he drove in as well and got it blocked out of bounds, and they went right back to the well with that second attempt, and he was able to take the contact and score off the window to uh, to tie the game in uh, at 59 at that point. And I, I agree with you, Daniel. When when it seems like nothing's going offensively, it seems like Minnesota can always go to Marcus Carr to create something himself. And that's not just creating a jump shot, creating a uh, an open window, but it's driving to the basket and finishing over contact. Well, yeah, and he does a great job of dribble penetrating and setting up for his teammates. I mean, he had a 15% assist rate in that game, and then dribble penetrating and driving to the rim, 3.9 fouls he drew in that game alone. So you're seeing what he's able to do and how much he stresses the defense. That was easily one of his most efficient performances of the season. His best two games have been against the Buckeyes. So I think uh, Ohio State fans are going to be waking up in a hot sweat all (laughs) all season going, man, this Marcus Carr guy, what is he doing to us? Uh, But I, I love how he not only does it on the offensive end, but 
rebounding-wise. I mean, he had a 25% defensive rebounding rate in that game. He led the team in mm-hmm. rebounding. He does the, all the little things. Like, you see the play where he, he gets the rebound and then it leads into the game-winning uh, shot at the end. I love Patino's confidence in not taking a timeout there. He says, all right, we're just going to roll, not allow the defense to get set and have faith in, in a guy that's really looking like he's grooving. And that was the right move, and he put faith in his players to make the winning play. Daniel, you brought that up, and I was just going to go there. The fact that Richard Patino didn't take that timeout um, when I believe uh, Carr got the rebound and there was about 10 seconds left on the on the game clock tie ball game at that point at 59. And I think too often, I, I think taking the timeout is is a good decision, especially in the NBA. It's just different. You have you're you're able to to execute a play set, and and the fact that you're able to potentially advance the ball, it just it makes more sense to call a timeout in that setting I think you'd agree with me a lot of times in college you're better off just just letting your offense go against a defense that has had zero time to set up what they want to do defensively and you could really tell Marcus got it I mean it wasn't a fantastic looking shot but it was it was an open shot it one that he had a, a good look at and I think that doesn't necessarily happen if you call a timeout there no, and it, it's one of those things where you, you don't want the defense to get set. You you want your guy to be in rhythm coming up the floor. I just think your odds are better when, when you're on the in the flow of the game and not slowing everyone down, giving uh, another team an opportunity to talk about things. It, it's to me like this, this game, I love the resiliency that they showed because first half things weren't going well. I didn't think they boxed out particularly well. Didn't have great position. The closeouts were a little bit uh, leaky. They were four for nine from downtown in the first half and then one for seven in the second half. So they definitely tied up the closeouts and Wesson. I mean, he didn't really do anything yet. Six points on three for five shooting. So a true maybe didn't show up on the offensive end, but he did on the defensive side of things because he was able to hold him in check And I like the adjustment that Patino made in terms of trying to show more intensity, moving the ball better, but like driving the basketball rather than settling for those mid-range jump shots. I think Kelsher right now, there's a lot of possessions where he's shooting the ball and it's just not falling. Mm -hmm. But when he drives to the rim, gets in a rhythm in that way, you start to see some shots falling. He's a good cutter and, and he definitely has the high IQ to know when to drive the basketball or find a lane in the back door to cut. I love how they didn't settle for those mid-range jump shots. They were way more efficient. Carr was distributing the ball. They moved it better. They boxed out more consistently, and they just showed how to fight on the road in the Big Ten when it's physical. You're playing a game where elbows are getting thrown, and everyone's really trying to get this W because they know how important it was. That loss is huge for Ohio State, losing a home game like that. Uh, with the uh, with the way that they've started in Big Ten play, the Gophers put a huge dent in Ohio State's future plans and significantly helped their own a path to a potential NCAA tournament berth down the road. You talk about a tale of conference play. I mean, it's been nothing but struggles for the Ohio State Buckeyes. They come into conference play, Daniel. They were ten and one uh, in the non-conference, and they come into com and they come into conference play. Now they're two and six in conference. That means they're a total of twelve wins and seven losses. So I mean, the Big Ten has derailed their season, and now they're just fighting to where they're going to need to. They're going to need uh, road victories to even make the NCAA uh, tournament at this point. 
I can't believe it. When I watched them play North Carolina earlier in the year, and obviously North Carolina didn't live up to the hype, but I thought, man, this team is going to be really tough. They're super athletic. They run the floor well. They got shooters everywhere. And then now you watch them, and they just can't seem to put together consistent performances. And they, they show glimpses in the first half, shot the ball really well, and and really physical around the rim and dominated the glass. And then the Gophers just looked like they wanted it more in the second half. I don't know what the the, the tone was in the locker room from Patino at, at halftime, but it just looked like the, the Gophers knew that if they came out and played a really solid second half and raised the intensity, focused a little bit more on team defense, they weren't turning the ball over. To me, the biggest X factor in that game was the fact that they didn't turn the ball over at a high rate, only four turnovers the whole game. They went that long stretch uh, from like early in the first half to midway through the second half without having a single turnover, and that's the difference. In, in Big Ten games, there's a few things that I just wrote about in a piece. It all comes down to rebounding margin, being able to win the, the glass every single game, not turn the ball over, and win that assist battle because if you're able to move the basketball, be efficient and not turn the ball over and rebound, you're maximizing your possessions. And right now that was the key to that basketball game was holding Ohio State under 60 points, 22 points in the second half. Uh, I thought that was just a tremendous defensive performance in the second half. The adjustments that they made said a lot about what this team has and, and the future that that could be taking place with them. Yeah, it was really it was really nice to see them in the, especially you mentioned after the first half they were they they had given up 37 to Ohio State and I I thought that was really good for what Ohio State wanted to do. Um you know, Minnesota was struggling to score but Ohio State scores nearly 40 in the first half. You cut that down to 22 in the second half and and that's that's why the Gophers were able to win this game was I I think just really limited limiting both Wessons um uh, offensively, as you mentioned, Andre, he had he had six points. Caleb, though, two points. The, both of them combined for eight, and that is, I mean, Ohio State's just not going to win many games when that's the case. However, Daniel Oturu didn't have any points in the first half, so I think using make, getting him involved with the offense was a, a major key to why the, the Gophers were able to be successful in that second half. He looked a lot better, as well as I'll say, at the end of the game, who made a huge three? Now, and I'm not talking about the game-winning three, but Gabe Kalsher made a a, a huge three in, in terms of uh, uh, importance in this game. It, it, it brought the Gophers to up one with five minutes to go, I think it was, and it was a transition three. It was something we've seen him hit before, and I think that is exactly the kind of bucket that can get his confidence going again. I agree. Kelsher is one of those guys that if he can start going and getting in a groove, this team changes completely because you have two dominant players in Oturu and Carr. Carr facilitating the offense and then Oturu in the post, how dynamic he can be off the dribble in the post uh, and just being able to be a threat inside. If you can get that three-point shooting going from Kelsher, it, it could be a three-headed monster. And I also see some progress from Peyton Willis. This was a game where he played more than 30 minutes again. That's three mm-hmm. games in a row. And it's the first time he's done that since early November, right at the start of the season. So I look at what he did from a, an efficiency perspective, too. He was really good on the defensive glass, which the guards have done a nice job there. I think that's helped this team uh, not have as much trouble as I thought they would rebounding the basketball after losing someone like 
like Murphy, but you see what he did on defense and he was second in defensive stops. And I just look at how well that he did uh, offensively running the point for a while when Marcus Carr had to go to the bench with four fouls. That was a pivotal moment in the game and he showed a comfort level of being able to bring the ball up the floor and run the offense that if, if Willis can start getting in a groove, Kelsher can hit some shots, it can complement the dominance that you're getting consistently from Oturu and Carr. The win shares for both of those guys, each over three, they're each top ten uh, in the Big Ten in win shares. They're the only Big Ten school that has two players in the top ten of that metric. So if you can get two other complementary options, the whole ball game changes for this team. And I feel like the one the one starter we haven't really talked about in, in a lot on this on this podcast. I feel like we should be is Alahan Demir because I think he brings this this elder statesman this this senior leadership not lead by example but lead by I mean I, I guess you could say that but he he just provides. Uh, uh, a calming presence to me when he's in, especially when it seems like they the Gophers are struggling offensively. They're not really uh, the offense isn't flowing as they as as um, as they need it to. It seems like he can come in and 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 uh, get a, a a bucket in the paint when they need something just to get something going offensively. And I feel like he's not he's not uh, a complete liability defensively. He he just he's he's rock solid to me, and I think. Uh, he he should be he should be uh he should be brought up for that because he he's stepped in in a role where they need him to play between twenty and thirty minutes every night and he's he's come in strong in that role I think. I thought there were a couple plays last night where he wasn't as efficient, but then when they needed that post play right at the end again, it's it's unbelievable how that guy it seems like just in the biggest spots there always seems to be a player two where he gets the ball touch maybe in the high post and he makes a sweet dribble move to the basket Mm -hmm. or he's in the low post and he's able to set his move up his footwork is really good and then it's not only that but there's like moments where he's on the defensive end and he'll create a deflection Mm -hmm. exactly and those little high energy plays seem to always add up and contribute uh, to the success of this team and when they come at such pivotal moments it can sway the outcome of the game because he plays at a very efficient level when they need it most. Yeah, you can tell Richard really trusts him with the majority of the game because you can tell he he likes getting Omerse in, and um, we saw we saw Ilnan in as well, and, and that was nice to see because we hadn't seen him in a little bit. Um, and of course, Trey Williams played. Uh, I think he, one of his better games. He was in there quite a bit. He was in there for 14 minutes. So the bench roles maybe expanding a little bit, but Demir, you can tell Richard trusts him in crunch time, and especially when uh, he he needs uh, some solid play on both ends. You you can tell he 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 likes keeping Demir in there. Demir was the X factor. Just think if this team didn't get him. Uh, as a transfer, mm-hmm. probably changes everything because of the high leverage plays that he's made in some of these games. I've been really impressed, and I agree with you on your Trey Williams take. He's showing flashes. Every game I see a couple little things that he does, maybe defensively or offensively, that, that catch my attention. And it's all about getting these guys a little bit of action here, there, moving them in and out of the rotation. I felt like Patino maybe recognized that he needs to start substituting Dan and Carr, even if it's just for a little bit, because uh, we noticed that in the Rutgers game with about 12 minutes left in the first half, he subbed 
a car out and a Turu out, and and it really didn't didn't really last long. There was a TV timeout. It was about a minute of action, but that game I felt like the Gophers were really fatigued. And now that they had some time to rest coming into a Thursday game, they look fresh again to me. Patino clearly felt like he needed to give Carr and Turu a breather against Rutgers. And now let's see what what happens with you know, playing a high-caliber team like Michigan State on Sunday after playing on Thursday, Patino might have to manage the minutes a little bit better to give those guys adequate rest so they're fresh. Yeah, we'll touch briefly on the Rutgers game just because we hadn't had a chance to discuss it. By the way, nobody wins at the rack other than the Rutgers Scarlet Knights. That's that's pretty insane that they're 13-0 and at home. Uh, they're just a completely different team at home. They're they're basically unbeatable, and they I I think you got to give credit to to Pike because they I I didn't see this coming this year. They they made a a little bit of a um I think they improved last year, but to to say uh, that if you if you said you expected Rutgers to be fourteen and five in this point of the season, I I think you'd be lying. Well, Rutgers defensively impressed me a ton. I mean, they're third. In, in defensive efficiency in the Big Ten, and that really showed up. I thought they contested everything. They got position inside rebounding. The difference in the game was offensive board. They had 15 offensive rebounds in the first half, and those extra possessions allowed them to grab a lead, that big 17-2 to run in the first half. And they didn't get much out of car in that game because they were so aggressive coming out to the perimeter, and they did a nice job of having a scheme to double O2, which we're probably going to see more of moving down the stretch here. So, yeah, I mean, the, the, it's a tough place to win. Rutgers is, is a talented team. I mean, I just love how they play collaborative, active defense. They create a lot of deflections. They're balanced. They have a lot of depth. Uh, th- that's a team to watch out for in the NCAA tournament because of how balanced they are. Yeah, I agree. I, I, and again, I, I can't understand. I can't overstate enough just how impressed I've been with uh, the Scarlet Knights this year. I, I, I just can't see. I would have. Uh, <laughs> I can't say I would have seen them as a as a ranked team this this point in the season. And one, honestly, the the top contenders in the Big Ten. A race, by the way, that seems wide open because you bring up Michigan State. Let's talk briefly about them. They go on the road to Indiana and they they drop a really close one. Um, Indiana with a really good effort and they end up knocking off the best team in the conference. Um, what what kind of Michigan State team do you expect to see on Sunday? A quick turnaround, I will say. Both teams playing on Thursday, and then a, a quick, a, like as, as I mentioned, a quick turnaround at the barn on Sunday. Well, I watched the Indiana game, and I was impressed with how hard Indiana crashed the glass. Like they they were going for every loose ball. The energy was there the entire night. And when, when you witnessed Michigan State starting to put the foot on the gas, Cassius was making some plays, uh, they were starting to get the ball down low to, to Tillman, Indiana was able to overcome that deficit, come, come, you know, weather the storm, find a way uh, to pull out a huge win at home. Those are the types of games that just show you how difficult the Big Ten Conference mm-hmm. is when you're going on the road. Michigan State always seems to have a lot of trouble when they play at Assembly Hall like every team does. But Michigan State, the first time they played, Tillman was the difference maker. I mean, he absolutely killed them in the post. They didn't rebound the basketball. Well, it all comes back to that being able to get position and rebound the basketball. That's going to be the big pivotal difference in that game. If Minnesota starts 
losing down low in the post and get, gives uh, Michigan State extra possessions, then it, it can get out of hand in a hurry, especially when you have such dynamic uh, ball screen action between guys like Tillman and Cassius Winston. That just makes them incredibly difficult to to match up against. Yeah, and I mean, I'm sure you saw it. Uh, Xavier Tillman misses the bunny layup at the end of the game that would have tied it. I I can't even imagine because it it was – it was a really good drive actually by Cassius Winston to get the ball up on the glass and Tillman gets it with I believe maybe at that point there's five seconds left he's all alone under the rim and he just blows the layup and you feel bad for the guy and it it was obviously Michigan State wants to have that one back because they're looking at a tie ball game and, and potentially overtime but a really a really good win for for Indiana especially when you look at it I believe at one point in the first half they were they went on a I think it was an 18 to 4 run to start the game and if they would have given all that back I mean Michigan State's Michigan State as we know can can come back from a deficit like that but that would have been a a particularly glaring loss for Indiana had they not pulled that out well and the way that Michigan State started to put the foot on the gas at the end it was impressive for them to be able to overcome that and find a way to win because uh, that would have been a devastating loss to have Michigan State in that position and not find a way to win we talked a little bit off off air about this and I want to I want to bring this conversation to the podcast because I think it's a fun one and it, it's about the just the because we've been talking a lot this this season about Daniel Oturu and and his potential NBA draft stock and if he's gonna if he's gonna return for a junior season we've been you know kind of uh, broaching that that subject a couple times on a, on a couple of these Score North Gopher shows but is there a chance that Daniel Oturu isn't the most important player on this Gopher basketball team, Daniel? Well, when you see the statistics, it really tells you that the win shares, the Gophers, like I said earlier, have two players in the top 10 of win shares. So basically their contributions are helping contribute to wins. The tour is number two in the Big Ten with 3.8 behind Luca Garza and Cars 3.1. He's number eight. So the debate is which player provides the most value to this team because Oturu, you see what what the depth chart looks like with the bigs, and you see what the depth chart looks like with the point guard position. They each have such unbelievable value in different ways. It's Oturu's ability in the post and uh, the tension that he draws, like doubles, and then uh, Carr's ability to take guys off the dribble, dribble penetrate, and create for his teammates. For me, it's, it's the dominance of Carr because of how he can facilitate and get the ball uh, to his teammates and, and get quality looks. But then I tell myself, man, Oturu, you just look at the impact that he has mm-hmm. on the game when he's getting active touches and that ball's getting moved around the perimeter. Let's just say they're both valuable, equally as valuable to this team and the statistics support that. Riding the line on that answer. I like it. And I mean, I, I agree with you just in terms of uh, because you see, you see Oturu's dominance when he's going and it's, it's it's almost like a symphony down in the post with him with his with his uh, his footwork his post moves his developed jump shot like I really enjoy watching him go to work in the post but I mean for my for my perspective on this I mean 
basketball is just a changing game. If you asked me this question 20 years ago, I think Oturu is the clear answer. But just with how the game has evolved, and it's it's a it's a it's a far more guard centric driven game. I think there's an argument to be made that Marcus Carr is is the most important player on this team, and that's not even sliding Daniel Oturu at all because I think we both would agree that he's the he's the better NBA prospect at this point and maybe the most talented. But I think Marcus Carr might mean more to this team uh, it, it, uh, than than Oturu. And again, I say that uh, completely respecting what what Daniel has has brought to his game. Well, the way he facilitates the offense, it's hard not to say that Carr is most impactful. Just just last night is the perfect case study for the difference that Minnesota has when he's on the floor versus when he's not. When you have a guy that posts a 21 efficiency and a 15.4 game score, you definitely have someone that's uh, providing a high volume of, of efficiency to your offense. And it's it's made a difference when when he hasn't played well the teams look totally totally different i agree and it's it's definitely clear to see i mean you look at that Rutgers game i think that was i mean he he had 8 points that game and that was i mean while while points aren't everything i i think you need a for for the Gophers to be successful. You almost need Marcus Carr scoring in the at least upper teens into the twenties um, to 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 have it be a Gopher victory. Just based on how the rest of their uh, rest of their lineup is is constructed, they they need especially Marcus Carr, but really both him and Oturu to be playing at high levels. If they are both clicking and then you get a complimentary option like Kelsher or Willis hitting some shots, the Gophers are very difficult to defend because there's multiple ways that they can attack you. I love when they can get that ball screen action going, the pick and roll between Carr and Aturu, and then that dribble handoff action. It sometimes leads to a nice isolation on the opposite side. Uh, they just have so many options when when you see those two guys playing at such an extremely high level. And I want to get your thoughts here because we we are sitting at not quite the midway point of the of the Big Ten slate. There are 11 games to go in, in the Big Ten schedule. Uh, again, Michigan State being the next opponent Sunday at 2. But what are your thoughts overall, especially following that victory uh, on the road at Ohio State. What are your thoughts overall about the Gophers NCAA tournament hopes? And where, like, do you think from from when we started first having this conversation prior, let's say to the to the Michigan game, have they they've done what, exactly what you've been looking for? Again, well, I'll, I'll recap those four games for you. So they they beat Michigan and Penn State on the road. They lose at the rack to Rutgers, and then they, they beat Ohio State on the road. Um, is that the formula that you had kind of thought that they need to adhere to if they're looking to sneak into the NCAA tournament? Well, you look at it, if they can win seven basketball games, they're going to be right there. They stole the road one that they needed. I felt like they, they should have won the Purdue game, but they had the weird stuff happen at the end with the turnovers and Carr was running out of steam. So winning that one last night kind of crosses out the Purdue game and gives you that one road win that was really necessary. Now they've got to steal one more. For me, if they can win at Penn State and find a way to sweep Wisconsin, that probably bodes well for them making the tournament. You win your home games and you you manage to steal one at Penn State and at Wisconsin. 
then I think you're probably feeling pretty good about the NCAA tournament just because you're going to be right around that mark that you need to get to. 18 wins feels like the target just because of how well that that non-conference schedule was. I mean, they, they played against some really difficult opponents, and they're number two nationally in adjusted opponent efficiency, so they're getting respect uh, for who they've played, and if they can get to that 18 win mark, they're definitely going to be in the NCAA tournament conversation. I want to wrap this up here because we haven't talked about this team. The Gophers have yet to play them, but the Fighting Illini are going to be an interesting matchup, and that's coming up right after the the Michigan State game on Sunday. They go on the road on Thursday the 30th to take on the Illini. Daniel, I've of what I've seen of Illinois. I mean, Kofi Coburn is is one of the the most fun players to watch in the Big Ten. He has been a an absolute stud from what I've seen so far. He's a difference maker, and and the Gophers don't really have the size to go against him. So it's going to be interesting to see how exactly they play him. But what have you seen from Illinois? And because they they've been a fun team to watch so far this year. I love how Brad Underwood has them playing. I mean, they, you got to come and play your best game because they will maul you out at the perimeter. They play really tough defense. I just look at the, like you said, Colburn's the big physical mismatch, and Georgie, uh, the the other big man that he Bashadisvili, right? Georgie Bashadisvili. Bashadisvili. <laughs> I was avoiding <laughs> saying that last name because I knew I was going to absolutely butcher that. It's a fun one, but. His his shooting ability has really come along. Like he was a mostly a post guy before, but now he's paired that post game up with the shooting. And the Gophers are going to have a lot of challenges because not only do they have that, but that that backcourt is so strong uh, with Illinois that, that they have like multiple different challenges and a road environment. If they can find a way to win that game, then I'm going to be feeling very confident. That was Daniel House. You can follow him, as I mentioned, on Twitter. He is at Daniel House NFL. Again, you can find my musings at Murph underscore MN. Daniel, I know you did some uh, post-game write-up for uh, the previous couple games, and as well as I know you'll have some thoughts on the the uh, the upcoming games, both against Michigan State and against Illinois. Where can uh, the listeners find your work on that? You can find all my stuff on Twitter at Daniel House NFL. I just did a, a stats breakdown of the last game, looking at some of the efficiency metrics of Carr and, and Peyton Willis and looked at the net rankings and Ken Palm and how they're really uh, liking this Gophers team and their chances of being successful and pushing for the NCAA tournament. Good stuff, my friend. It's been it's been fun as it always is on the weekends. I like uh, breaking down the previous week's matchups with you. And again, you can uh, you can find us again. We'll be back. I would say next yeah next Friday. We'll go with that uh, to break down, of course, the Michigan State game on Sunday and the game against Illinois on that Thursday. We appreciate you joining us for Daniel House. I've been James Murphy. Thank you so very much for finding us, and thank you for listening to the Score North Gophers Show.